Hey guys, welcome back to Life Has Purpose. I'm Ryan Bomberger. And I'm Bethany Bomberger, and it's been a minute since we were together. Okay, maybe an hour. Oh, maybe or an maybe hour. a few weeks. Maybe a few weeks. Right, we've seen the DNC and the RNC both start and finish. That was quite an interesting sort of thing. The whole mm. virtual Zoom. I, I will say that the RNCs was amazing in it the really sense was. that the, the broadcast quality and of course the content of it um dnc was very interesting it was mm-hmm. very interesting hearing interesting in quotes yeah I, I i'm not sure that they were talking about the same situation going on in america as actually is going on but hmm. yeah there you have it well not biased at all yeah i i know for me it kind of took a back seat um since in the last few weeks i've lost both my mama and my grandma both somewhat unexpectedly. It's still very difficult. I mean, uh, very difficult. we're navigating through that. But I do, no. um, yeah, which is actually wonderful that there's been so much, so much grace to walk through it and even grace to have to put the podcast off for a week or two. But I do feel such an incredible sense of um, being loved and being prayed for. So many yeah. people have reached out. So with, many. You know, I've gained 10 pounds. Thank I know you, it's because we've, we've had meals brought to our house <laughs> every day, every day. And I think that I'm completely ruined because our kids are now going to know there's actually more dinners available than just a rotisserie chicken and salad. There, there is. <laughs> there were so many options and so many desserts. Oh, oh my so gosh. Delicious. In fact, when I was asked about the meal train, I was in the midst of handling things with the family and I never even saw the text. So my friends decided we're going to do this anyway. We don't even need the okay. Because I probably would have said, oh, we're all right. But you know what? It's been a humongous blessing. And if any of our lit- listeners have brought us any of the meals, please know from the bottom of our hearts. We love that you. We just love you and we thank you. And for all those that have been praying, you know, prayer support has been huge. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It's amazing how you can show love through food. Mm-hmm. And of course, the gorgeous flowers and all the cards and things like yes. that. Um, but it's you're never prepared to actually walk through mm-hmm. something like this. And so we're really grateful for people mm-hmm. and just them showing yeah. their love and compassion. Thank you. Yeah, it means a lot. And the good news about my mom and my grandma is that we we know that they're currently dancing on the streets of golden heaven and yeah. that they've... <laughs> Their, they, their bodies have been perfected, and they're doing what they were born to do, which is live in eternity with the Savior. Right, and we'll see them again one day, right. so we can cope with the reality of their death, since we mm-hmm. will have eternity together. Right. Maybe even true. next door, and we'll be hearing Grandma <laughs> sing every song that she's ever heard or known, and then, yes. of course, every song she now knows in heaven, but right. um, we'll right. miss that, yeah. definitely. But that's actually, you know, we talk about heaven, we talk about... Things that become very real as you walk through death and you walk from this life to the to the next. And as we've had to navigate with that with our children, those those topics and it's very difficult navigate grief. Um, it's a great segue to what we've chosen to chat with you guys about today. And we're going to really talk about what it means to have a biblical worldview. Yeah, and if you've ever listened to our podcast ever, <laughs> you know that we talk about social issues and the culture mm-hmm. and how we as Christians respond to these issues. There's no point in calling ourselves Christian unless mm-hmm. we're willing to walk out that faith, unless we're willing to be 
Christ-like. Right. And um, there are many people that hear about Jesus. I mean, even if we just look in the Bible, we know that there are people who listen to Jesus, who hung on every word. And then when they left him, they just went about their business when they when they left his presence. Right. I, I think about um, even like the feeding of the 5,000, which if I understand correctly, is there, there were 5,000 men, which means that there were women and children not included in that count. That's a huge audience. Lots of people. Yeah. Bigger than my... Right. (laughs) Right. Which that says a lot. Childhood family, yeah. Well, but these people they they listened, they were moved, they they were compelled in in one way, but within a short time, uh, you know, within weeks of of sitting and listening to him, these were the same exact people that were calling for his crucifixion. And there was something there there was some sort of misconnection Mm -hmm. between what they heard and what they probably said that they believed. And right. how it impacted their daily walk. Right. Their daily life. And and thing is, God doesn't call us as Christians to be perfect. He's right. the one who perfects us. Right. You know, we, we come with him in all of our mess. And, yes. Yes. and he perfects that. But if we choose to be his disciples, our lives will show mm-hmm. that. It'll reflect it. I mean, I remember this one hip hop song when I was a kid. It was Let Me See Your Fruit. It was a group called DOC, which was Disciples of Christ. And it was this <laughs> song was cheesy, but it was like, Let me see your fruit. Let me see your fruit. But it's true. You People will know that we are Christians by our love, and that love is the fruit. And our responses to the culture mm-hmm. will show the world that we are different, mm-hmm. that we are definitely in the world. We can't avoid that. That's the reality, but we're not of it. Right. And how we journey through that and how we impact other people really shows how devoted we are to our mm-hmm. faith. And and so many times I think we just don't reconcile that. We feel left out. We we feel hurt by those in the world who quote unquote, you know, don't like us or unfriend us or oh, think poorly no. of us, right? No, don't do that. It's okay to not be popular people. If you're right. if you're too popular, you're doing something wrong. Right. Uh, well, you know, it's 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 this thing that at the same time we aren't taking to heart that we are essentially we are strangers in this land. Right. Right? You know what I mean? Like heaven is our hometown. I like that. And and people who who don't understand that aren't going to quote unquote like us, but God never called us to be liked. No. I mean, Jesus even said specifically that the world is going to hate us for his name's sake. So it's not a surprise. Like, oh my gosh, people don't like me. People are dropping off. People are calling me names. Right. Guess what? They crucified Jesus. So Mm -hmm. anyway, not that we should be jerks about things because, you know, if you're going to figure, well, they're going to hate me anyway. No, we're still supposed to act in love. We're supposed to speak in love, but we're also supposed to be bold enough to speak the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, we show the world what it looks like to be a Christ follower, walking with the Lord mm-hmm. while walking in love. And I want to say this as a creative, it's not easy because I would love just to be sarcastic like 24-7. <laughs> I would love, you know, sometimes th- some of the stuff out there is so ridiculous that you just want to just right. say the first thing that comes to mind. That's why I have many drafts of certain <laughs> things. Sometimes Bethany will come by and be like, mm, I don't think you want to say it that way. Well, let's, let's get... I like, do. I'm glad but, you got that out. Let's keep that between me and right. you. And just then keep let's, it digital. Right. Yeah. Let's just keep it in there. In digital limbo. Not, in digital limbo and not getting to the places where you thought that you would send it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you need a draft one for your own psyche and a draft two for the public. Right. <laughs> and just that heart check. Because it, it is a yes. good thing. It's a, it's always a good thing to be reminded by someone else who, who is filled with the love of the Lord, like my wife, who can kind of just say, hmm, let's think about that. Yeah. 
Well, the Bible tells us very clearly not to store up our treasure here on earth, but to store up treasure in heaven where it says, you know, moth and rust won't destroy it. And the Bible being the inspired word of God Mm -hmm. um, is how I know and I and I have a sense of complete comfort even uh, when we're talking about losing loved ones. But this comfort to know that I will see them again because God's word is true. Right. And, you know, we believe that we'll see our loved ones again because we believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God, Mm -hmm. meaning there's no error in it, and that it is the manual for life. We strive to live out our beliefs through the filter Mm -hmm. of these biblical truths. Mm -hmm. Our belief systems, my belief system, your belief system, are, are what form our worldview. Right. And that's why I always tell the kids that... It is this, we need to know the word of God because it is the standard by which we will weigh all things that we see, everything that we hear, everything that goes through our, I like to say eye gates and ear gates because the kids, that makes them laugh, but it's the reality. It is the standard by which we weigh all these things. Right. And because we ascribe to a biblical worldview Mm -hmm. and we're unashamed of that, that is always our standard for all things. Mm -hmm. The standard is not Fox News, it's not CNN, it's not MSNBC, heaven help us, mm-hmm. or social media, mm-hmm. or even what popular pastors are saying. Right. It really is what the Bible says. Right. And there are so many things throughout Scripture that are so clear, that are not ambiguous. I mean, I'm, I'm talking like the, the major stuff mm-hmm. of life. There's not ambiguity in these things. The issue is people just not knowing what the Bible actually says. And we actually have proof about how much people don't know about the Bible. (laughs) In this current survey, um, when we come back after just a little break here, we're going to talk about a research survey that recently caught our attention. And we're going to delve into some of the points that were made in that. And it actually brings a lot of clarity to why we are seeing what we are seeing in this current culture. Stay with us. Life has purpose. Life is beautiful. For example, us and you. Hi, my name is Leah, and I'm pro-life because life matters. Hi, I'm Lily, and I'm pro-life because mom and babies matter. ProLifeKids.com Oh, no extra little whatever? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Listen, download, and subscribe to the Life Has Purpose podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Here we go. Here comes Welcome the good back. stuff. So let's chat about this Barna survey. Right. Let's start first. Babe, why don't you just tell the listeners where we came upon this particular survey, which then took us to, of course, the survey itself um, at the Center for Research. Right. And we're going to link this, of course, in the show block at lifeispurpose.com. But I was reading an article on Bible Gateway that was Mm -hmm. called Extremely Low Percentage of Americans Hold Biblical Mm -hmm. Worldview, an interview with George Barna. Right. And it struck my interest. Yeah. And for those who don't know George Barna, just to take a quick glance at his bio, he's the director of research at the Cultural Research Center and a professor at Arizona Christian University, which actually I spent a long time on their website. It's phenomenal. And we'll link that too. It's really great to to hear about their research. He is um, the founder of the Barna Group, a research company that has set the standard for understanding trends in American culture. He's written more than 50 books. That's He's, it. Yeah, more Just than 50. 50. <laughs> I mean, award-winning New York Times bestseller books. He did okay. Yeah. 
He's a fellow at the Townsend Institute. He's taught undergraduate. He's taught graduate level. He's pastor to churches. I mean, he might know a few things, right? right? And the, and the great thing about this article, which is why I'm going to encourage people to go and read the whole thing in its entirety, it's because it really was laid out as an interview with him. So it highlighted different pieces of this. You know, sometimes we think, oh, it's a research study. I'm not going to go look it up. But this was great. As I like to say, it was digestible. Yes. And, and it's, it's actually intriguing. So the article starts with this. Uh, says the first national survey of the worldview of Americans conducted by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University shows that although seven out of 10 consider themselves to be Christian, wow. only 6% actually possess a biblical worldview. Right. So 6%. What is a worldview? I mean, I always say it's a standard by which we weigh everything and the motivation. Uh, for how we believe. Right. It's how we see the world. I mean, that's really worldview, how you see mm-hmm. the world. Not the physical, but it's the philosophical, it's the moral, it's the spiritual mm-hmm. aspects. That's so good. And I like what George Barna says, because it does sound a lot like my definition, which makes me feel just slightly smart. But he says, our, our worldview is the filter through which we experience, interpret, and respond to the world. There really isn't much research done to pinpoint people's worldview. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm so grateful for the Barna Group, because they have so many surveys on so many different aspects. But when you think about worldview, most of us have a number of influences mm-hmm. for our worldview. And in our family, we strive to have a biblical mm-hmm. worldview on all things. We look through the lens of scriptures mm-hmm. to determine what we believe and how we respond. Now, this does not mean you negate you know, the sciences and things. This is a beautiful thing about our faith, mm-hmm. is that faith and reason are so inextricably tied together. True story. Yeah. So, it's so good. According to Barna, the research reports that I'm going to say this slower, so we get, slowly, so we get it. Fewer than one out of five—that's 19 percent—born again adults in the USA hold a biblical worldview. Dang. So, Seriously? Right. Yeah. You would think it, it, those two things went hand in hand. 19 percent of born again adults hold a biblical worldview. This, this is the problem. This is why we have the issue that we have in our cultural rot and our cultural breakdown today. Mm-hmm. This is why we are seeing so many Christians getting bowled over by unbiblical teachings. They, you know, just, you know, Ephesians 4.14 says, you know, don't be like children tossed to and fro mm-hmm. by every wind of new teaching. But this is why, not just being tossed to and fro, we're being slammed mm-hmm. to and fro and willingly often. This is, this is the reason why. Mm-hmm. You, you can call yourself a Christian, but if you don't read the Bible... You're not going to have mm-hmm. a biblical worldview. You just can't. Mm. And we see the dangerous repercussions of that in our culture today. Right. And and so often we just think those two things go hand in hand, that you're a Christian, you're <laughs> going to have a biblical worldview. And for me, this survey is like, oh, here's the why we're seeing, just like what you said, but it's the why we're seeing uh, so, so much instability in our culture among Christians. Right. Oh, I'm a swimmer. I'm a swimmer. I haven't I haven't gone swimming in the last 30 years, but I'm a swimmer. <laughs> then you're not a swimmer. I'm yeah, just saying. Like, don't jump in the ocean and try to do the like 30 mile Navy SEAL swim. You're, you're right. drowning. You're not a swimmer. Right. You're drowning. Right. You just call yourself one. It's interesting because they explain how they did this survey. And so just for clarity, they use 51 questions that deal with belief. They deal with behavior. They were categorically divided out this way. Bible, truth, morality, value of life and family, God, creation and history, human 
human nature and character, lifestyle, behavior, and relationships, purpose and calling, sin, salvation, and relationship with God, and faith practices. And this is important because it helps us understand how they came to their conclusion. And they decided that if 80% or more of the belief questions and the behavior questions were answered in a way um, that was consistent with biblical truth, that was consistent with biblical teachings, then that person was considered to have a biblical worldview. So we're not even talking about like 90% of their core values, Mm-mm. you know? Babe, why why do you think that is, is the case? I mean, I, I know that Barna had some of his conclusions, but I know that um, I'm putting you on the spot here. But why do you think that so that this percentage was so low? This is humankind from the beginning. Eve wanted to know hmm. more. Right. She was tempted by the serpent, tempted to, oh, you can know so much more. Human beings haven't changed since their creation. They We've always felt like, you know what? I'm going to know more than the creator. Right. It doesn't really work that way. And so that kind of arrogance is what has led to so much of our our fallen existence Mm. is constantly think that we know better. Look, we are parents and we have four kids. Right. How many times do your kids try to let you know, oh, Mm -hmm. wait, no, mom and dad, I know better. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're nine. Can you please hold hold your tongue? (laughs) Oh, gosh. I mean, this is just the, the, the natural inclination of humankind. We do this all the time. And still, even as adults, still as adult Christians, sure. we're like, no, God, I got this. I know better. We're like, oh, I'm sorry. I've gone through this 98 times. I'm mm. sorry. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but this is this is actually not surprising. It is kind of our nature. And thank heaven that God's mm. nature is to continue to pull us back in. Yeah. And hopefully we have that opportunity because we're not promised tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so with our behaviors and with our thought patterns, we're not promised tomorrow. And so though God continues to woo us, though God, you know, loves and accepts those prodigal sons and daughters, why do we spend so much time trying to Mm -hmm. run away from the truth? And I think, too, that we get to a place where we often feel like we know something so well, we know it enough, and we miss the the additional revelation you know we the the act of knowing and loving god and being his disciple is something that's continual that there's always a learning process the more we know there's more to know right and and it's so easy for us to fall into a mindset that's like hey i've been a christian for x amount of years i know what there is to know and yet like i will sit and i have this one particular um charles spurgeon devotion devotional book that i've had for i want to say 13 years or so and um Every time I read it, it, it just brings me to different verses and sparks new things. Right. But not just that devotional book. When I sit and I read the Bible and I'm going through, you know, as a family, we're going through Matthew. There's stuff we've read, stories that I could tell you, you know, from memory if I just sat down. And yet when I read them, they're different and they're new. Right. And as Christians, we understand that there's just this never ending quest for understanding who he is. And it's scary when we feel as though we've arrived. Right. And it's never ending revelation. Yeah. And you may have heard or seen something a thousand times, but all of a sudden, that one time in your devotions, you're like, wow, Whoa. I never saw it like that before. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's why we have to continue to go back. And right. it is a struggle. We know it's not easy. Yeah. It is a struggle. The day-to-day stuff of life, we're homeschooling parents. We run a nonprofit ministry. We travel all the time. Yeah. You can get inundated, overwhelmed. And unfortunately, it pulls. It's There's constantly this pull away right. from the truth. There's a reason for that. 
The enemy mm. understands that the farther you away are, the farther away that you are from the truth. Yes. The harder it is to hear, the harder it is to know, and mm. the harder it is to act on that truth. But the so, easier it is to be swayed. Oh, completely. Right. Because you're when you're off that rock, and that's yeah. what truth is. I mean, God is the rock; He is our foundation. Mm. When you're off that rock, mm-mm. Mm-mm. scary you're place. On, on slippy, as we say in slippy. Pennsylvania, <laughs> slippy ground, people. Slippy ground. Slippery. <laughs> right. Well, here's what Barna said when he was asked. You know, the why? Why? Why are these numbers looking like this? He says it's due to a combination of factors. He said he writes two decades ago. I found that a person's worldview begins developing between 15 and 18 months of age and is almost fully formed by age 13 and then is expanded and refined until their mid to late 20s. So children are critically important in the study and transmission of world view. Later on, he says, in fact, just 5% of the parents of children aged 5 to 13 have a biblical worldview. They're clearly handicapped in the developmental process because you cannot give what you do not have. That punched me in the gut. And I felt um, just radically validated in our mission in life, Ryan. Like our mission is to say we cannot overlook any person because of their age, because of their stage, what goes into their brains at every portion, at every season in their life will create the worldview. Yeah. I mean, we look at what we've had to pour into our kids during this COVID time, right? We talk about what does God say about fear? What does God say about dying? What does God say about all of these things? We have to be alert and available to speak into um, these issues and not think that things are over our kids' head. Figure out a way to be age-appropriate about it. But yeah. but th- this this is powerful. In fact, I'm holding on to this survey, and we're actually motivated to have done this whole show on this. A lot of it is because I was like, what? That is a powerful validation for what we understand as Christians. I just finished writing a chapter for a book for for Moody Publishing, and it's about adoption. And part of our heart, babe, on adoption is understanding that when we're talking about advocating for Christians to adopt children out of languishing foster care, et cetera. We're talking about adopting them as a Christian family so that we can shepherd right. their hearts Exactly. because their worldview is being formed and we want them to be in eternity with us. Right. It's not just about doing a nice thing for a kid or rescuing them or, you know, all these other, I don't know, counterfeit reasons to go forward with an adoption. I mean, they're they're maybe good, but they're not the best. The best reason is we believe in shepherding kids' hearts and, and moving souls for kingdom. This is what love is. Love was Jesus dying on the cross for us so that we could spend eternity with him. Yes. So we want to pour out love to our children. And the end goal is for them to be with us mm. in heaven. You think about the, just going back to the whole 15 to 18 months. That's when the person's worldview begins. So many people mm. just plop their child down in front of mindless television, mm-hmm. mindless whatever on the internet, and don't realize all of that mm-hmm. is contributing to the formation at you know, a year and a half of age. Right. And up to age 13, where 
it's not that there's nothing wrong with entertainment, of course, depending on where that entertainment is point, pointing the child, of course. But we don't realize how vital this the substance substantive yes. stuff of scripture is often. Yeah. I mean, a thirteen year old, you're like, oh, they just want to have fun, or an eight year seven seven or eight year old, they just want to have fun. No, they need this right. stuff so that this this nearly fully foreign worldview mm. means something, right? We don't have time to waste. We don't. Love your child enough. Love children enough to say, wait a minute, especially yeah. if you're a pastor and you're a church, how are you instilling a biblical worldview? Are we giving it up to celebrities? Because right now there's another yes. poll that shows how how sports celebrities have mm-hmm. more sway than pastors in our culture today. Oh, for sure. How tragic is that? So I we know. got LeBron James dropping F-bombs and telling, you know, these impressionable young minds how to see the world and the pastor is being quiet. Yeah. What's wrong with that picture? Right. There's something really, really wrong with that picture. Yeah. There's so much. I mean, we've got we've got mainstream media. We have schools. We have, you know, politicians. Look, all of humanity is broken. There's no particular field of people that is more broken than the other. We're all broken. But we as Christians cannot cede all of these, all this ground to the world so that they can fill and form our children's worldview. It is, it's our responsibility. It is. And we can't let the default be what the kids see in media and at school and on TV. It cannot be the default. And being intentional as Christian parents and as Christian aunts and uncles and neighbors and friends and stuff, we we need to be intentional because we just don't want to lose our kids right. and ultimately allow them to, uh, uh, they're, they're, the, what, they're, what we're seeding now, like you said, the fruit of what we are planting now is really going to be what we're going to see later in life. And of course, we'll determine where they spend eternity, which is the of the utmost importance yeah, yeah. I, I just want to drop just a little bit about a study that fascinated me that came out a few years ago this is from uh, mark regneris yes out mm-hmm. of the, at the university of texas and he's a sociologist he's his studies are amazing he interviewed fifteen thousand seven hundred thirty eight americans between the ages of 18 and 60 and from that sample he had these four categories he had church-going christians who oppose same-sex marriage right church-going christians who support same-sex marriage gay and lesbian Christians, and then gay and lesbian non-Christians. So those four categories. And then he asked some very um, pivotal moral or questions about moral issues. So one of the questions, for instance, says, is viewing pornography okay? And so the church-going Christians who oppose same-sex marriage, 4.6% of them said that, that it's okay, which that's yeah. 4.6% too high. But anyway, yeah, it is. church-going Christians, though, who support gay marriage, 33.4% of them supported uh, pornography. Hmm. And then you go on down the list and, you know, marital infidelity is sometimes okay. Out of the Christians, uh, church-going Christians who oppose same-sex marriage, 1.3% of them agreed marital infidelity is sometimes okay. There again, 1.3% mm-hmm. too high. But then among church-going Christians who support same-sex marriage, it was nearly seven times higher. Wow. At 7.5% who said, oh yeah, Marital infidelity is okay. Now you go to the category of gay and lesbian Christians, 14.2% believe that marital infidelity was okay. And of course, of gay and lesbians who are non-Christians, 26.9%. Hmm. 
But there's one other issue. Drop down to, I support abortion rights. Hmm. So for the Christians who are church-going, who oppose same-sex marriage, 6.5% said that they support abortion. But of the church-going Christians who who support same-sex marriage, 39.1%. Support abortion. So you see these radical, huge disparities in things that obviously are not aligned with Mm -hmm. the biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. And so when you think of that in terms of, okay, Christians who support same-sex marriage, well, look at all the other issues that they support Mm -hmm. that certainly couldn't be defended from a biblical Biblical worldview. Right, because they're allowing their default to be really influenced, I mean, by a very worldly agenda. Right. Ten years ago, we didn't. We could still figure out which shows to watch without there being an LGBT influence. Now, that's it's everywhere. It's instead everywhere, of it being everything. like, hey, ninety percent of what we can watch won't have the LGBT influence. Now, the there's maybe ten percent. You know, it's just it's it's flipped radically, and and so so when we talk about numbers like, hey, nineteen percent of the people that call themselves born again Christians don't have a biblical worldview. At first, it might you know, make you gasp. But now we're realizing this is really what we're seeing. Right. And, and it's yeah. not just that, though, too. I just want to interject here. It's not just that. It's also the, the glorification of violence. It's True. the glorif- It's the, the pornographic imagery. It's the, the exploitation of women. Yes. It's the exploitation of young children, the over-sexualization. So it, it goes on and on. It's not just the, the glorification of sexuality outside of right. God-ordained, you know, sex within marriage. It's, there's so much more that's being mm. glorified. And you'd understand that when you understand that if only going back to that first thing. Right. If seven out of ten claim to be Christian, but only six percent actually have a biblical wow. worldview, it's why we are where we are. Mm. But we also know that God can change yes, all can. kinds of things. Those numbers can change. More importantly, hearts yes. can change. Yeah. And they change when we act out of a biblical worldview. When right. we seek to know what a biblical worldview is because there are so many people out there crying mm-hmm. to be set free. Yeah. They, they, they're they desperate to know. They may be hostile toward Christianity, but let me tell you, there are so many people who want mm-hmm. what true Christians have. Yes. And, and it's okay to say, uh, read surveys like this and research like this, or to listen to our podcast and then allow the Lord to prick your heart to possibly convict of ways that we haven't been intentional and move us in the direction of changing because that's what the Lord does. He's like, I make things new every day. So wherever we are in this process, um, the Lord's like, we can, you can do a reset button. You can move forward. You can bring about change. And I know with our kiddos, we've, we've made some choices to go through certain books, to allow there to be uh, resources where they can create this biblical worldview. Our kids have read A Case for Christ for Kids. We've read as a family certain chapters for from A Case for Creation. Um, babe, you recently purchased the book, If I Could Ask God Anything. Mm-hmm. By it was by Catherine Slattery, and and our kids have been reading these books. It's it's important that we help our kids ask the questions that form worldviews. Yes, right. And so instead of number one, instead of being afraid of those questions, let them think through it and ask those questions. And if we don't know the answer, Google to get some direction on it. Look into the Word of God. Ask somebody that's a Christian, and but but sometimes. 
We need to help model what those questions are. In the book, If I Could Ask God Anything, there are questions like, why couldn't Jesus stay on earth forever? And how can God be three people at the same time? As a teacher, one of the phrases that I picked up that it sort of stayed in my heart was, let's teach these kids how to think, not what to think. And I I believe that these types of worldview questions and and thoughts and having these types of conversations, that's what allows their sweet little brains to expand and to grow and to be stretched and help them to understand God in, in a in a better way. We experience this on college campuses, you know, through the mm-hmm. Radiance Foundation. You see the result of when you teach people what to think instead of how to think. Remember Wheaton College? Yes. And I went there and I presented Black Lives Matter in and out of the womb. The reaction was so contrary to what I thought an evangelical college's reaction would be. I mean, they denounced me, they denounced the presentation, but I didn't realize that they had totally embraced mm. the lie of the Black Lives Matter movement, which is, you know, listen to our previous podcasts. Uh, you can go to radiance.life slash BLM to see our, our particular position on that. We 100% do not support the Black Lives Matter movement, but we certainly uh, support a biblical approach Mm-hmm. to justice mm-hmm. in, in, in all forms of justice. But when you teach people what to think, mm-hmm. it's about control. Right. And we're seeing that even with language. Oh, you can't use this particular language. Oh, you can't use this pronoun. Use this made-up pronoun. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't say this about black. Oh, you have to capitalize the B in black now. I mean, it's teaching people what to think, and it's always about control. But teach a child how to think, and that curiosity mm-hmm. will help them dig deeper. And this is... This is our heart for our kids. I don't ever want them to have like a a bumper sticker worldview to where if that sticker is peeled off, they have no no substance beneath. I want them to be able to to think through things, to think through things compassionately and to act compassionately. I don't want them to not understand what's going on in the world. Of course, there's a certain level of sheltering that happens with young children, but we really want them to critically think through things. At Wheaton... Mm-hmm. My whole conclusion is that these, and so many of those students were taught to fear, right? Not taught to think, right? And there are dangerous consequences to when people act out of fear. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it in cities across the country with Antifa and BLM mm-hmm. and these groups that are. I mean, look at. Remember? Oh my gosh! Just what was it last week? Where groups of BLM activists were going up to diners in DC and demanding that these white diners sitting outside of right. this restaurant raise their fists and you know stand in solidarity with black people by the way people I am brown so standing in sol- no one is going to get force me to raise my fist in solidarity mm-hmm. with anybody anything my only solidarity is with mm-hmm. Christ mm-hmm. so this is what happens, though, when you teach people to fear. And so many of the diners raise their fists. I'm like, well, you raised your fist and you lowered your dignity because this mm. is what happens when you don't critically think. And there was this one woman who refused to raise her hand. And, and interestingly enough, she was actually a supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement. I don't think she is anymore. I don't know. Mm. But this is what happens when you get this group think that happens, when you have a worldview that's so shattered and so mm-hmm. broken that you can't think through base you can't even think through how do i treat another human being yeah. with dignity and care right that's not it life has Every week, Ryan's articles appear on various news outlets. Each week, we'll feature one of his latest commentaries. It's time for some fearless factivism. Christ before color. 
If you're recommending friends and family listen to the world instead of the word, redirect. If you're marching with a movement that wants to spread power based on color, redirect. If you're leading a church that has been silent about injustice in whatever form it takes in and out of the womb, redirect. If you're prejudging or discriminating against someone based on the beautiful hue of his or her skin, redirect. If you're fighting for justice, but not allowing unfailing love and truth to lead, redirect. If you're genuflecting to a political agenda that neither wants to forgive nor reconcile, redirect. If you're one who thinks statues are the problem and not our culture's monumental rejection of biblical statutes, redirect. If you're persuaded by a mainstream media that thrives on deceit, division, and demagoguery, redirect. If you're only listening and not seeking the facts about circumstances of injustice, redirect. If you're mourning, doesn't move into loving and transforming, redirect. Christ before color. Christ before anything. I'm Ryan Bomberger, and you can check out that commentary at radiance.life slash Christ before color, or check out any of our op-eds at radiance.life slash news. Listen, download, and subscribe at lifehaspurpose.com or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. This is the last thing I'm going to share about this survey. The interviewer said, how does this study show that growing numbers of people are moving away from believing that the Bible is true, relevant, and valuable for their lives? And George Barna's response said, well, only half of adults believe the Bible is the word of God. This is down from three quarters just 20 years ago. Only four out of 10 adults believe the Bible is true, which is down from about six out of 10 20 years ago. So these are dramatic declines in a short period of time. Wow. Listen, listeners. Wow. God's coming back soon. <laughs> there's there's a there's a an enemy that is literally going to fight tooth and nail to the last second because he wants your soul because you have the ability to be a co-heir with Christ and he will never have that ability. And so today our heart is like I always say that you're not only encouraged, but you're challenged in this, this life that we're living, that there's a challenge that says, who do you believe in? What do you believe? Where is your faith from? And we would encourage you today to walk alongside of us, spend time in the Word of God, and be one of those in these surveys that's counted as one who has a biblical worldview. And what we do through the Radiance Foundation, what we love doing through the Life as Purpose podcast, is to show you those things, the who and the what, and really importantly, yes. the why. Mm. Why do we believe what we believe? Because when you know why, you're going to remain standing. You're not mm -hmm. going to be the one throwing up your fist. You're not going to be the one slinking away. You're not going to be the one all weak need and crumbling mm -hmm. because you don't know. Wait, I don't know what I believe. We, you're going right? to know that you stand with the God of the universe. And he says, whether you can see it or not, there are more with us than with them. 
You know, it reminds me of a great quote from Frederick Douglass, who said that man and what's right make a majority, but man and what's right and God make a majority against the universe. Come on. Because when you add that component of God, <laughs> it's not just being right in that that little sphere of influence and in that little area. It's the entire universe. Mm. But you cannot know God fully mm-hmm. unless you dig into his word. Yes. And this goes for all of us. This is not about condemnation, but it's all mm-hmm. about just encouragement. We mm-hmm. have a culture that is crying out to us, and we are supposed to be the ones that have the answer, not just in this temporal space, but in the eternal space. We'd love to know what you think of the podcast. Go to lifehaspurpose.com and give us your feedback. You can also listen and download our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Remember, whatever may come your way. And no matter what people say, your your life life has purpose. purpose.